Welcome to Global Bridges. We are hosting Global Bridges at the University of St. Thomas at the heart of the city in Houston, Texas. I am Beverly Barrett, faculty with the UST Cameron School of Business, and I'm happy to welcome our guest, Madani Tall, joining us from Bamako for the episode, West African Perspective on Recovery from the Pandemic. So from Mali, Mr. Madani Tall is such an accomplished businessman and policy expert. I'll tell you a little bit about his background. Um, growing up in Bamako, Mali, he was educated in Paris and at Johns Hopkins University, Washington, D.C., School of Advanced International Studies, SICE. Prior to that, he spent eight years working as an investment banker with U.S. Trust in New York, which is now part of Bank of America, and as well, policy experience as an economist in mining with the International Financial Corporation, IFC, of the World Bank. So this wealth of perspective he's brought to his home country of Bamako, Mali. In the capital city, he advised President Amadou Tamani Touré until October 2012. Um, he's stayed committed to the growth and development of Bamako, Mali, been very active in policy, politics, and business, spends quite a lot of time in neighboring countries on the West African coast, um, including Cote d'Ivoire, from where um, he's working often um, during the spring months in 2021. Thank you very much, Mr. Tal Madani, for joining us today. Um, you're connecting um, from nearby in Abidjan, but you're going to focus on telling us about Bamako, Mali, and the whole West African region. How is the region doing recovering um, from this pandemic? Thank you very much, Beverly. I'm mm -hmm. uh, very glad to be with you tonight. Yes, we're so glad to have you as well. So with Mali and Bamako, tell us a little bit of the differences you see. You've been spending time um, in inland Mali, which is your home country, but but larger land territory. You've been spending time in Abidjan, the capital of Cote d'Ivoire, the Ivory Coast, as we say in English, which is the closest port to Mali. And um, I know there was a period in time when you weren't able to travel when there was lockdown, um, but tell us when have you been able to travel again and um, how have things been emerging as we've been coming out of this pandemic in this year? Actually, like uh, everyone else uh, throughout the world, the last two years have been very dramatic for uh, Africa and for Mali in particular. Uh, being a landlocked country, we are uh, contingent uh, to other countries for importing and exporting. Uh, the closure of all the port of air freight, of uh, traveling, uh, created a, caused a lot of damage in the economy uh, in general, but that's something common to uh, the rest of the world. Uh, the, the, the fact is that um, our country uh, is a big country uh, compared to other African country, uh, countries in the region. We have 1.3 million kilometers uh, uh, square and uh, uh, it's a country that is very, very lowly, uh, with a low density, uh, about uh, 3.5 uh, inhabitants uh, per kilometer square. If you take, for example, the region of Timbuktu, it's mm -hmm. 400,000 kilometers for only 250,000 people, just pretty much like uh, Alaska and Inuits. Right. Thanks for giving us that perspective. And Timbuktu is in eastern part of Mali in the Sahari Desert, and it is a destination 
beautiful um, night skies and great music. So, uh, and as you say, so Mali is a little less than 20 million population, but a large landmass. And Cote d'Ivoire, where you visit for work, is more populated, 25 million compared to the 20 million in Mali, but much smaller landmass country. And mm -hmm. um, that geography does shape the economic development and, and, the, and the population in it. Thank you for that perspective. Um, some challenges too, I guess, for infrastructure, transportation, and such in Mali, in such a vast country. Absolutely. That's uh, actually one of the main uh, causes of uh, the rebellion in the North in uh, 2006 and uh, also in 2012. Yes. Uh, the lack of infrastructure, because the economic cost uh, to build a road for only 5,000 people on a thousand kilometer sometimes does not make sense to the government, while for population, it is a necessity. <clears throat> so due to that, uh, people in the northern part of the country uh, are most of the time un unsatisfied uh, with uh, the central government, uh, because the impression is that, okay, too much is going on on the south and nothing is happening in the north. But at the same time, uh, there is uh, objective reasons for that. Uh, economic reasons. Uh, mainly, taxpayers are in the south. Uh, taxpayers are in the south. Uh, they're paying taxes for the road that are built in the north. The capital yeah. is in the south? The capital okay. is in the south. Mm -hmm. uh, see, the, 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 the equation is just like um, Alaska right. complaining not to have as much highway as, as, as in New York. Mm -hmm. You see? Uh, that's the equation, okay? People have the same right, people have the same uh, uh, objectives, people have uh, uh, the same ambition for themselves. Uh, but the lack of infrastructure is due only to the fact that, okay, this is a, a sand desert when in Alaska you have a, a ice desert. Right, so the sand and the Sahara, um, the geography of Mali is quite interesting, which we know formerly was French Sudan um, and then was Senegal, uh, like your sister um, country, you know, was the Mali Federation. Um, yes, I think Senegal um, for a long time was part of Mali. Mali yes. used to be a bigger country than what it is today. It used to include um, current Mali, part yes. of Mauritania, all of Senegal, all of Guinea, mm -hmm. part of Burkina Faso, and the northern part of Ivory Coast. And it right. is actually the oldest uh, African empire. And as you may know, uh, it is said that the richest man ever to live was the king of Mali from the 13th century, Kanku Musa. I see. Fascinating history. Yes, we love hearing that history. We know there's many beautiful treasures there. There's UNESCO World Heritage Site, um, Genet, a huge um, mosque that's preserved, made of natural elements near the second city, Segu. So we hope that we get to travel and, and learn more and discover more of the country, the places, the, the music um, and such. So in the developing country, how has the pandemic you know, affected most people in their daily lives? Um, do you think it's affected people as much as it has in developed countries where there's more urbanization? Um, 
have people had to change as much in Mali as they have in for say, some reason, Europe, other places? Mm -hmm. For some reason, Beverly, uh, the amount of people that were touched by the pandemic mm -hmm. is um, very few if you compare it to European countries or uh, Northern America. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the rate of contamination, contamination is very low. Uh, but at the same time, at the same time, it's doing some ravage because even if it's a few hundreds of people uh, that are dying, it's a few hundred of people too much. Yes. Uh, and also, there is uh, also one, uh, one little problem that we have in, uh, in uh, Western Africa is that most part of the people do not see the seriousness of mm -hmm. uh, the pandemic. Uh, yes. For example, in Mali, uh, most of people are not uh, wearing masks uh, when going out, outside. Right. So, and, and it is strange that uh, up to today there is no more uh, there is no more contamination. So, is it due to the climate? Mm -hmm. Is it due to the fact that okay there is uh, some type of humidity uh, in Africa because we have been subject to paludism, malaria uh, mm -hmm. for a long time? Did we develop uh, some immune system? Uh, that is more resistant to the uh, to the virus. Um, they say that in order to, for the virus to to die, you need at least 50 degrees. But you know, when you have uh, permanently, mm -hmm. when you have permanently uh, 35 to 40 degrees, mm -hmm. I think it's good enough to um, make the virus, uh, you know, less uh, virulent. Right. So 35 to 40 degrees. Celsius is up to 100 degrees Fahrenheit and it is warmer weather and they say that makes the virus spread less. Also perhaps less testing in Africa mm -hmm. might reveal less presence of the virus, but you notice that fewer people are ill as compared to in more condensed developed countries. And we appreciate that observation. We know that it's a global it's virus, it's a pandemic. Yes. Right now, actually the density also of population may uh, make it also a lot easier because you know cities are not as crowded as in new york city the country uh, itself like we said earlier is uh, about 3.5 inhabitants per kilometer square so all these factors may help right. Uh, right. Uh, to, 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 to make it more uh, less drastic right so since the countries have been relatively less um set back on the health side because of the pandemic, still development remains a priority. Education, healthcare, infrastructure, investment, all the things that go with development. So in the context for the goal of development, in what ways has the virus inhibited and what ways has it perhaps helped and raised attention to the needs of countries like Mali at this time? Actually, you see the, the, the main problem in, uh, in uh, our countries is that uh, we have pegs, peg currencies. Yes. So there's no room for monetary policy uh, right. in order to help to alleviate the economic situation. Right, you so your fixed exchange rate with the, rate with the, the West African franc, right. Uh, if, you, yeah. if, you, if you look at it, at the early beginning of the crisis, the European Central Bank raised some money, okay, for, the, uh, for European government. Uh, about uh, five five thousand billion, 
same thing happened in the in the in, in the United States. But our central bank could not print money uh, to help uh, uh, the economy, to help companies, to support uh, people that were not going to work, uh, to support companies that were in disarray, uh, to support uh, lack of uh, exportation of our goods, or to support uh, uh, the lack of import of uh, other people's goods. So the fact that uh, we do not have uh, the control of the central bank was um, made a big difference, meaning that uh, we had to rely on assistance, on assistance from the World Bank, uh, from the IMF, or from uh, other multilateral and uh, uh, bilateral institutions. Uh, even for the vaccine also, um, right now the fight is to, 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 to produce um, your own vaccine. I mean, we understand that uh, Europe was not uh, themselves, even in France, they were not able to produce their own vaccine. But at the same time, you know, the fact that we are dependent on uh, other countries for supply of the vaccine uh, make uh, the vaccination rate very low here. I mean, the countries producing do not have enough for themselves. Okay, right. so we just have, a, like we can say, spare parts of uh, what is left. In addition to vaccinations, which are important, what about other innovations um, that may or may not be coming because of this, this pandemic? So we could talk about agriculture sector, we could talk about education in the world. We've been moving more and more to online education and it's often been talked about as some support and assistance, but imagine the challenges getting the device, getting the connectivity, the wireless connectivity, how have things like Actually, education, agriculture be, been affected? People will be surprised to, 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 to know that uh, Africa is highly connected. Okay. Uh, like uh, in a country like Mali, where you have 20 million people. Right. There is more than 25,000 uh, uh, cell phone lines. That's great. Okay. So the, 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 the rate is almost 100%. Uh, internet uh, and uh, uh, DSL, uh, fiber optic uh, internet, is available in most of the big cities. That's um, yet, yet, since we are not a tertiary country, you know, right. where you know, uh, it's mainly an agricultural country, yes, in a secondary country, working at home is not uh, an option, you know, mm -hmm. because seventy percent of people are working in champs. Uh, laboring, right. Then uh, you have uh, another twenty-five percent of people working uh, in factories as a uh, labor, right. And only probably five to ten percent of the population is mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, is uh, working in office. So in order for you to to think about um, uh, teleworking. Right. Uh, or virtual working, you know, it, it will concern only a very few percentage of the population right. because of the structure of the economy. Right, and most are still out um, working. And how is it for schools and education? Schools have continued? School, I mean, school were closed for a certain time. Mm -hmm. uh, during the first, uh, 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 the first uh, uh, pandemic, uh we closed for three months mm -hmm. but since then you know people have been going to school normally 
I see. Yes, we're trying to return to schools and, and to, to make sure that education happens in the best way possible because it's so important for children. When you were saying, just to explain to our audience, a tertiary country, are you speaking about level of development that in tertiary countries, when more work is done online? Explain that. In Europe right now, most of the people are working in service. Yes. They're working in services, they're working in offices, they're working uh, mm. uh, in uh, the, what we call the tertiary uh, sector. Okay. Uh, our country is uh, still working under the primary sector, uh, right. meaning most of it is uh, agriculture, like uh, right. what I said uh, earlier. So right. the, the option to, to make your crop grow by uh mm -hmm. <laughs> right we're getting in the secondary sector would be in the industry yeah the industry explaining it in that way right and, from and, agriculture and to industry there, you know, to services uh, and you speak about hmm? excuse me for interrupting the, the necessity for inputs for agriculture right have you seen any interruption in supply chains for inputs you need for agriculture At or industry point, created some inflation Mm -hmm. uh, at the early stage of uh, uh, the epidemic, uh, it was uh, drastic because, you know, there were um, uh, not enough containers uh, available around the world. Right. Uh, and then traffic stopped uh, for a few months. Mm -hmm. It created some inflation in prices. I see. Uh, but um, now I think uh, that's, uh, that's behind us, uh, truly. Okay, so it has taken some time for supply chains to adjust. And though um, most people in agriculture, you have said that. It is relying, who are the trade partners in the sense, like um, the inputs for agriculture, the fertilizers and such, do you have that developed in Mali itself or are you relying on key trade no, partners actually, for your uh, inputs? Is imported. Uh, we have uh, a few producers that are local, but uh, let's say that about uh, 65% is uh, from import from the big houses. Okay, you have uh, the, the, the same players uh, uh, like uh, everywhere, everywhere else in the world, uh, mm -hmm. both in... Um, uh, 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 the, the natural and uh, 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 also companies uh, that are manufacturing uh, um, like BASF, I, I don't know if I should say names or no, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, mainly 65% uh, is uh, uh, imported. Uh, but there was no real disruption of the, 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 the chain of supply. So, and you were explaining DSF, we didn't catch it when you said we're not sure if you should say the name. We, you oh, the name of companies that are, you know, uh, uh, importing. Right, right. ESF, and um, but those are Malian companies that are doing that work. And um, so for Mali and the number one trade partners, um, so have the profile of and exports changed in this? I mean, for you being in Mali, what has been the biggest change that you've noticed in the economy and trade or in investment? Well, the, the, the thing is, there is necessarily less investment. There is less investment because there is less investors. Uh, and also the, the, the process of investing take more time. 
if you, you you take a project I'm working on, you know, uh, people in Europe uh, that are partnering to that project cannot travel. So uh, that's uh, that. In that only you lose a few months uh, in the process. Uh, if you have lawyers that cannot uh, exchange documents, uh, uh, that can exchange documents but that cannot sit down uh, and discuss face to face, that also will uh, uh, cause uh, some uh, delay in the process. If you have, for example, someone uh, from uh, the team, uh, be it a lawyer, an investment banker, or a supplier that uh, uh, is taken with COVID, uh, then you're stuck also for another few months. So uh, a process that um, uh, the process of investing, if you're from uh, uh, the, the start of the, the, the process to uh, actually the signing of uh, the loan agreements takes any time between uh, nine to two, nine months to 20, 24 months. Mm -hmm. uh, with COVID, uh, you, you, you have a delay of uh, six, to nine months, even six to 12 months, you know, in the process. Okay, I see. Thanks um, for explaining that. So turning to investment, where are some of the best opportunities for investment, domestic and foreign investment in Mali? We know you're passionate about infrastructure. Is it is it there? Where else is it? Where are some investment opportunities? Actually, yes. Uh, uh, we can say infrastructures in general, but energy. Energy, energy is mm -hmm. probably uh, uh, the, 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 the area where you need the most investment. Mm -hmm. uh, if, you, if, you, if you look at it only for uh, Mali, we are in need of, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's not a lot if you, if, you, if you compare it to US numbers, mm -hmm. uh, but at least uh, uh, eight to $900 million every year. That's the real need of investment uh, in the energy sector. Okay. Uh, the water sector, uh, if you uh, take it apart from, uh, uh, from, um, from electricity sector, uh, right. it's about the same thing. And then you have roads, railroads. Railroads, okay, it's uh, 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 probably a few thousand kilometers uh, that are in need of investments. Uh, bridges, okay. We are currently in uh, in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Bamako building the fourth uh, the fourth bridge, but there is need for another four bridge again. Uh, so four bridges, four yes. bridges, and they're over the river, right? Over the over Niger the river. river. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. So you see the 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 the, the, the good thing about uh, being an underdeveloped country okay. is that everything is. Uh, in need. Mm -hmm. okay. Unfortunately for Mali, there were so many crises in the few past years that right. uh, some, uh, it gave a, a bad image of the country. Uh, uh, yet, 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 okay. Uh, you see, there is certain, uh, there is certain uh, areas of investment that are not uh, sensitive to conflict. Uh, uh, if you look at it, in any country in war or any country in distress, you will never see uh, people uh, touching uh, elect uh, electric centrals, uh, electric lines, poles, water supply, because it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a need for everybody. Uh, whether you're in war or not, whether you're an adversary or not, uh, all can need uh, these facilities. 
So the, the, these, are, these are said to be infrastructures that are not uh, sensitive to conflict. Right, so you're very protective collectively of this infrastructure because everyone knows how much they rely on it or depend on it, Absolutely. need it, right? And so that is an attitude in Mali. Thanks for highlighting the need for investment in the energy sector, the water sector, the railroads, and, and, and commerce, not, and bridges. Not to forget that uh, Mali is the third uh, producer of gold uh, yes. behind uh, South Africa and Ghana. You are. That's right. And you're also a big producer of cotton. Is that right? Uh, yes, we used to be number one producer of uh, cotton uh, uh, a few years ago. Right. But we decided to go out of uh, cotton production slowly because right. of the farm bill protecting okay. U.S. farmers. <laughs> right. So uh, it was very hard to compete with that. I understand. And I was going to say that's something that Texas and Mali have in common is cultivating cotton. Um, but yes, there's a lot of competition um, for developing countries that have to compete with developed countries that get support um, from the government for subsidies. Yeah, get the subsidies. I mean, if you take mm -hmm. only the farm bill, that is about 60 billion mm -hmm. uh, to help in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in cotton and agriculture in general, that's, right. uh, that's almost like a, a six times the GDP of Mali. So how yeah. can you compete against that? Right, right. High stakes. And we know that's a big issue in, in the WTO about um, subsidies and, and how to make um, developing countries competitive in the global economy. So thanks for that insight into the cotton trade and also the gold trade. You say the third largest producer of gold in the world. And you said uh, after which countries? After South Africa? Behind South Africa and Ghana. And Ghana, right? And Ghana's gold, right? Also in Houston, we have some collection um, of gold in our Museum of Fine Arts um, from Ghana. So we hope that you can come see that. We'll have to add Molly's um, treasures to that um, showcase in Museum of Fine Arts Houston. But very special to highlight all of that. So commodities are definitely important for production and exports in Mali as well. And before we turn to more, um, or maybe we will turn to kind of more social issues about you know the future of Mali. What are your thoughts on you know education um, opportunities for employment and growth? I mean, we know that you received an international education. You've brought that back to Mali um, for those who cannot go abroad for their education. How is the quality of education and bringing up the next generation? What is your view on on what's ahead as we move through this pandemic and look forward to the next generation? Actually, some countries are doing better than others. If mm -hmm. you take uh, Ivory Coast, the education level since 1960 has mm -hmm. been uh, constantly raising up. Mm -hmm. uh, as for Mali, it has been deteriorating for the past, uh, uh, let's say, 20 years, uh, to tell mm -hmm. the truth. Uh, uh, the, 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 there is so much a uh, private uh, school that uh, do not meet with the requirement. Actually, government disengages itself uh, from uh, education, leaving most of uh, uh, the, the, the secondary education to private entities that are not um, uh, up to the task. Uh, so we get, uh, as a result, a second grade or third grade education. Um, uh, the, 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 the level of skills uh, has been deteriorating. Uh, someone that uh, 
I was entering uh, in the university, first year of university 20 years ago, is probably uh, more stronger than uh, someone with a, a doctoral diploma today. Uh, so there was a high level of degradation of uh, the education system, uh, both in terms of uh, content uh, than in, ter in, uh, in terms of uh, uh, format. Uh, if you if you look at it, the 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 the, 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 for, the, the formation. I don't know how to say that, uh, yes. but uh, the training of uh, educators yes. uh, uh, is uh, of a lesser quality uh, nowadays than it was before. Okay. Uh, so that uh, will necessarily have an effect on mm -hmm. uh, on uh, on uh, uh, on the student. The official language of Mali is uh, French, yes. but um, you will see that most part of the uh, student in uh, primary and secondary school do not speak French. So okay. it is difficult to learn uh, in a language uh, that you do not uh, understand. Because they speak their local language, Bambara. Uh, I, I think that uh, we are, there is uh, one component of education that is lacking here, you see? Uh, education is uh, too elitist because uh, what I mean by too elitist is that, okay, it is done only for people that are supposed to go to university. Mm -hmm. So there is no uh, intermediate uh, 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 parkours that uh, one can choose. Like uh, everyone is not destined to go to university. Some people may need some technical training uh, 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 to, to be just technicians, electricians, uh, plumbers, uh, agriculturals, and there is no uh, program to to have different um, no focus program. on education, yes. right? We try to do that in the U.S. as well, either be career ready or college ready and have different avenues for people who have different paths in education because we need different preparation for different sectors and categories of work in, in the society. So it's interesting to hear that that's also a concern in developing countries is preparing people for different types of work in the economy, um, which hopefully they can be prepared for that. And hopefully the quality of education can be enhanced because we know that's essential to any, to any country. All countries were working on that. So thanks for highlighting the challenges there. Before we wrap up soon um, and speaking about more social issues and religious issues, we know that Mali is a Muslim country and that Ramadan, the annual um, ritual is coming, will be between April 12th and May 12th. What will it be like then? Will people continue to go to mosque and religious gatherings or will they hesitate because of the pandemic? Will Ramadan be different this year? What do you expect? Even without Ramadan, people are continuing to go to the mosque. They'll continue uh, to go. Mm -hmm. most, most of people are still going. Uh, mm -hmm. And I don't think that will change during Ramadan. Um, right. Mm -hmm. So, and continue to um, hopefully gather safely, but it is um, an important time for that faith. And um, we'll be looking forward to, you know, the summer, the maybe even warmer temperatures will mean less virus, but to the whole world getting to turn the corner on this virus. Currently, as we talk, Mali is 40 degrees. Very so, warm already. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
So okay. actually, uh, we, are, we, are, we, are, we, are, we are in a different setting where, where, where we're praying for temperature to cool down in the coming months. Yes, yes. So, um, yes, that'll be something to anticipate. Um, what are some final thoughts that you want to think about? What kind of innovations, what kind of insights have you gained over the last year that we can bring forward as we move forward um, for the growth and, and development of Mali? What are some final thoughts that you have to share with us here? But to finish on an optimistic uh, note, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, what I truly think also is that uh, humankind has been fighting uh, viruses for the last four million years. Right. And this is just another virus. And uh, as much that we have uh, succeeded in uh, uh, fighting other viruses during 4,000 or uh, 4 million years, this mm -hmm. also will be vanquished. Right, right. So the humans will overcome. It is an optimistic note to see how um, we, as a species, can continue um, to survive even in these challenging times and to continue to experience this in so many unique ways. You've given us so many unique insights into what's been happening in Mali, challenges there, the opportunities there, the profile of the country. Um, what you're looking forward to, what we're hoping for, more education, more investment, more growth. We appreciate everything that um, you shared and all of the insights, and we're so thankful for that. And we're going to be looking at Mali, wanting to learn more about Mali, wanting to visit Mali, get to Timbuktu eventually, um, hear some of that music out in the Saharan desert. Um, but thank you so much for giving us a tour of your country. Um, we've enjoyed it so much. Thank you to Mr. Mazani Tal for taking time to talk to us about his home country, Mali. He's from the capital, Bamako, Mali. He's been speaking with us about West African perspective on recovery from the pandemic. If there are any topics you'd like to hear in the future, let us know. You can reach us through the contacts page at globalizationandchange.com. If you found this podcast interesting, subscribe, rate, and review it. You can share it as well where you find it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you to the production team, Darnell Miller, Cindy Solis, and Jeff Olson. I'm Dr. Beverly Barrett at the University of St. Thomas in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening.